Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. So, the moment that several hundred prospects and millions and millions of fans have been waiting for is now very tantalizingly close. It's like when you've run a marathon and there's a big giant German chocolate cake waiting for you at the, at the finish line, and you've just got that last mile to go, and you get to eat cake and take off your shoes and rest. Rest has been hard to come by for anybody who's chasing this particular dream. The NFL is a very very, very exclusive fraternity, more exclusive than the Kappas or the Alphas or the Sigmas or the anybody. There are only, at any one time, 1,560 jobs in the whole league altogether. And they don't the league each year, as I'm sure everybody already knows. So there's a few guys who walk away from the game or retire or injury doesn't allow them to play anymore. Or they get cut. But most teams are bringing back. I mean, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles have lost a couple of guys. They're bringing back most of the team that just won the Super Bowl. The Coaches are bringing back most of the team that played in the Super Bowl. A handful of guys have moved on, and they'll need to replace them. But it's not like half the team is gone. They didn't get rid of 20, 30 guys. There's not 20, 30 roster spots to be had on any team in the league, in fact. Even the worst team in the league, whatever team you think that is, it's only going to turn over about 15, maybe 20% of its roster. That means they're going back 80% of the guys who were on the team last year. So it is a daunting challenge that these young men face. And I believe, has B.J. McCoy joined us? Who's joined us so far? Uh, Dylan Beard. There he is. <laughs> Dylan Beard, right? Okay, right. Um, excellent. Yeah. So I'll start with you. Um so you live in a world of anticipation right now, don't you, Mr. Beard? Yes, sir. I'm just just out here sitting in the pond waiting, man. <laughs> um, I don't know if you ever watched the the thirty for thirty they did on Tom Brady and his ordeal waiting to get drafted. Uh, now we knew he wasn't gonna go in the first couple of rounds. We started to think somewhere in the middle of the third, late third, that he might hear his name and then he thought he might hear his name in the fourth, and he thought he might hear his name in the fifth. And then he got deep into the sixth, and he started to go a little bit crazy. And he grabbed a um, bat and a glove. He's been a very good baseball player when he was younger. Some people thought baseball was his best sport in high school. And uh-huh. just started throwing a baseball, you know, because he was going crazy. And so they had to come get him uh, when, he, when he actually did get the call. His father had to go get him because he, he was going nuts. You know, he, was, he couldn't take it anymore. And he was yes, thinking to himself, he was thinking to himself, I'm going to have to be a stockbroker. You know, that's what he was going to do. I'm, I'm going to have to go and share it. I mean, that's what's going, here's a man that some people think might be the greatest quarterback of all time. He's 
thinking, man, I got to polish up my resume. He's thinking this, maybe this football thing isn't going to happen. So there's no way of knowing how it turns out for anybody, right? Yeah, Josh Norman, Josh Norman, for his first year in college, not even on the football team, he barely was in school. I mean, I mean when I barely, I mean barely. Like he was taking the the lowest number of classes you can take and still be a student and barely passing. And his brother had a what's the word for come to Jesus talk with him. I think it's a word you might use. And he kind of read his brother the riot act. He said, "Look, you're sleeping on my couch. You're barely going to school." You know, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you wasting our time? And, and our parents' money. And so uh, they had an active discussion, the Mormon brothers, and uh, Josh, you know, stormed out. And, but he, when he came back, he said, you know, you're, you're right. I'm wasting my time and my talent. Um, he went out for spring ball at Coastal Carolina within a handful of practices went for being a guy that literally nobody knew who he was. I mean, literally, nobody knew who this guy was. Oh, it's my brother. Like, his brother had to explain who this guy was. Um, to within four or five practices, he was a starting corner at Coastal Carolina, and a couple of years later, obviously, is, is you know, a, a pro prospect. Now, not, a, not a very heralded pro prospect. It's like the world was waiting for Josh Norman to be Josh Norman. Malcolm right. Hopefully was a guy that had to carve out a place for himself. Adam Thielen almost ended up playing basketball in college because he actually got some decent offers, full rides for basketball. He got like a single full ride for football. He got a couple of partials and ended up signing a 250. I really had this. I didn't know that even existed. I mean, like, I was a junior varsity wrestler, right? I mean, I, I can imagine they might have given me a $250 scholarship. I didn't know they had two or three dollars for football. Like, where does that get you? Is that is that cover one of your books? Right. So Adam Thielen was was this close to going to play basketball someplace, and something inside him said, "No, no, I love football. I think I, I think I have a chance to do this." And he just refused it. No fun answer. That's. I mean, there's so many stories. Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner, right? I mean, if you really want to get inspired. The man's 27 years old before he finally gets his first NFL start. Think about that. He spent, yeah, five, years, he spent five years wandering in the wilderness, playing in AF2, not even AF1, not even the critical big arena football league. He's in AF2, the feeder league for the arena league. Think about that. And he's thinking about the resume. Think about, about two years into this, he sends his old coach, you know, a lot of us like, hey, remember me? And it's like, you know, why you have a graduate assistantship? And he came this close to being Coach Kurt Warner. This close, I can't see my fingers, but it's, they're close together. He was about to right. say, okay, you know, I gave it, I gave it a good try. I, I spent two years trying to make this thing happen. You know, the Packers said it wasn't good enough. The Arena League said it wasn't good enough. But then he got the call up, literally, literally, not even two weeks later, he gets the call up to, you know, to the big arena, you know, to, to the barnstormers, you know, we used to play about like 8,000 people at 800. And at the end of that season, um, he gets spotted by one of the NFL Europe coaches who asked him to come play for him overseas and finally catches the eye of an NFL team. And during his second season in NFL Europe, gets brought in to back up Trent Green. And, of course, Trent Green tears his ACL in the last preseason game and the rest his history. Right, right. Could have won a football. 
But he spent five years in the wilderness, and of course, legendarily stocking shelves at the High V store overnight, you know, for seven dollars and twenty-five cents an hour, something like some crazy number like that. But mm-hmm. he also got discounts on food, you know, so that helps. <laughs> He didn't employ a discount to get groceries. Buy, buy some mac and cheese and some hungry man dinners. So this is where you find out who really loves football, right? When, some, when everyone in the world says no and says, hey, how does it to play Arena 2? That's where you find out who really loves football. Not Arena 1, baby. Not the one that televised the, the Arena Bowl. Not that one. Not that one. The one that no one televises. The one that, the one that you play... You know, you're playing like in the like a, a hockey arena where they put down some turf. I mean, I wish I were joking. I mean, you're playing you're playing where they have like kids science fairs. Like kids are waiting for the to do their volcano after you're done. Now we know who loves football, right? Um, okay, who put, I got Dylan Russell with me. Um, Tay Davis. Tay Davis. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, Tay, what is Tay short for? Um, Octavius. There we go. See? Right. Octavius, amongst other things, was one of the great Caesars. Uh, do, you, do you know much about Octavius? Your namesake? Well, Is that a no? Uh, oh, I was saying, <laughs> do you, I said, has anyone told you about Octavius? The Octavius uh, who, who ruled Rome? Um, no, not really. No. Okay. Clearly, you're not a history major. Um, but yes, when you get home, <laughs> jump on your magic Google machine and look up look up Octavius, uh, one of the one of the Roman emperors. Oh, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. Um, actually, my mom told me that um, she got the name, I guess Julius Caesar brother or something like that. Yes, yes. there we go. Right. Yes, he was part of that line. He was part of the line, that line of Caesars, correct? Right. She was um, reading Shakespeare when um, she was yes, pregnant. With there we go. Name, so. <laughs> well, it's a it's a cool name, um, and you know, I guess I guess you don't want to whip it out too soon. So you let him call you Tay for a while, then when you get the when you get her back to your place, then you let her know. Well, maybe I'm actually Octavius. Da 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 da. da. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, and where are you? Where 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 in the United States are you right now, Tay? Um, I'm right now. I'm, in Chattanooga, um, finishing up yeah, school. Okay. Um, there were a couple of UTC guys I absolutely loved a couple of years ago. Um, you had a, a kid named Davis Tull back there a couple of years ago who was an absolute animal. And unfortunately, he got hurt, I mean, literally at the worst possible time. He got hurt, uh, I think it was right at the very end of the season. It really uh, brought him down a little bit. But I think if he had been able to, be fully healthy about the pre-draft process. I'm convinced that he would have been drafted. He, I think the Titans still brought him in as an undrafted free agent. I don't know if he still still have him or not. Um, he got he has a running back last year that I really liked as well. Uh, so that's the begin at the beginning. So young Octavius, which could be your rap name, um, but <laughs> tell me tell me, Tay, um, when did you first get introduced to the game of football? Um, I was about. Six or seven, but um, it's always been a sport that I really love. Um, ever since you know I could tell, I could understand what football was. Um, I always following my, but, but my mom didn't want me to play football, so she just trying to keep me away from. It. But uh, she got to really talk to let me play in the 
The rest is kind of like history, you know? Yes. Everyone's mom loses that permission slip the first time you bring it home for some reason. I had, I, I didn't get mad at my mom often, but I was a very small child, undersized, whatever. I was convinced I was going to get killed. So <laughs> I, right. Oh, 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 but oh. once again, I, I never fought with my mom, but I had some active, forceful discussions when I was a youngster about <laughs> that. Like, you know, cause you have to kill me because on um, Fridays, they would allow kids who were on, who played like Wee or a Little League or whatever to wear their jersey on Fridays. Right. Oh, and I see, if I, oh, and the year she quote unquote forgot to turn in my Parisian lip. I'm sitting there watching my friend Danny and my and all the other kids sit there in the uniforms, and, and I'm like, <laughs> dying inside. Oh, thanks for bringing up those painful memories. So, <laughs> you got introduced to the game. What position did they have you play at first? Um, well, I played. I mean, played everything. Um, like running back, receiver, safety, cornerback, um, linebacker, kicker. Like I did it all in Pee Wee. And as I grew older, I um, just was. Receiver and safety. Okay. Excellent. That's what I was. Eventually, a receiver and a safety. Now, what? What was your favorite position when you were young? Now, obviously, eventually you settled into your your permanent position. But what was the first thing? You obviously loved the game already. But what was it that you, know, you did when you first started playing? Like, what position was it where you felt like, oh, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is it. Um, it was definitely receiver. I really liked getting the mm. ball when I was younger. <laughs> Does that sound at all familiar, Mr. Uh, Team King Dilly? Yes, sir. Yeah. Dilly, because uh, I kind of, you know, I got a, a late start in football. You know, I really started playing football to my eighth grade. I mean, I remember, like, when I was younger, my stepdad, he used to always read me by, like, this high school I live by. Was like, you wanna, he, he'd be like, you want to go out there and play with him? I was like, nah. Because I was more of a baseball player when I was growing up. <laughs> I was like, nah, I ain't going to mess with it. And, but then, eighth grade, I finally gave it a shot. And then from there, like like Tate said, man, it was history. You know, it's funny uh, because some of the kids that ended up being really good came to the sport late. And then some of the kids that really loved football early on ended up doing something different. Now, my Pop Warner coach is a man named Herman Reed Sr. He had a son who was a really good football player, but you would know his son mostly for basketball. His son, Herman Reed Jr., actually went by the name J.R. Reed. And even though his real first name was Herman, and he ended up being a first-round draft pick in the NBA uh, and an All-American at University of North Carolina for basketball. But he was a heck of a football player until he just got so tall. He kept growing and growing and growing. Hey, you know, I wish I could say the same. That didn't work out for the kids. <laughs> so you, uh, you. So when you first start playing, um, Dylan, what position did they, they start you? Oh, uh, they they started started playing me at receiver and free safety. Like you know, I've been I've been between the two my whole life. Like when I first when I got to college, that was my first time ever really playing true tight end. Yeah, yeah tight end. Tight end is an interesting position because you're asked to do so many things and there's not really enough time to work on all the things they want you to be great at. I don't know how tight ends do it because they want you to block in the running game. They want you to block in the passing game. They want you to run routes. 
You need to know protections. You need to know defenses. You need to know all the calls on offense. Like, I, it's, I think mentally, on offense at least, it might be the second most demanding position. Right yeah, behind quarterback. Like, like a mini quarterback. Yeah. And which is why a lot of times, if there's a big athletic quarterback who, you know, maybe doesn't have the ability to throw the ball that well, a lot of times these guys end up moving to tight end. Mike Tice, who you guys would know as a, as a coach, but he was a high school quarterback and went to Maryland originally as a quarterback, but he was six foot seven and, you know, 230-some-odd pounds when he got there. And, of course, he was 270-something pounds by the time he was a junior. So they moved him to tight end, and then eventually he played offensive tackle in the NFL. So, uh, and then another guy that did that was um, oh, the kid from Oklahoma. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm blanking on his name now. But he, he plays for the Eagles. Um, but he was a, a junior college quarterback, went to Oklahoma as a quarterback, then they moved him to tight end. Then he outgrew tight end, and now he's an offensive tackle. Um, that will come back to me later. <laughs> Lane, Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson. Uh-huh. But – so, you 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 got interested in tight end while you were in college? You said, Dylan. Yes, yeah, sir. Like, uh, like when I walked when I walked on, you know, I went to like I went to a junior college before I went to Southern, and you know, mm-hmm. like when I went there, they tried to they tried to have me play DN, and you know, I never played DN in my life, <laughs> and, and you know, I, I like I tried I tried to give it a chance like two days, but then I just I just knew it wasn't for me. And plus, the coach had offered me to play receiver. And like on the third day, I, I asked him. I was like, "Man, I say, uh, I say, coach, you know, you offered me to come out here as a receiver. You know, I haven't played receiver yet. What's going on?" He's like, "Well, we have too many receivers right now. So next year, maybe uh, you can play receiver." And I was just like, "Thank you, coach, but no, thank you." And uh, so I left that school. And that's when I went to Southern, and I thought I was gonna play receiver, but they was like, "Nah, you too big, bro. You gotta." You got to play tight end, and that's when, you know, I had to learn everything at tight end, man. <laughs> but, when you lie, but when you lie in bed at night and you're asleep, you're suddenly Odell Beckham all over again, aren't you? Sir? I said when you lie in bed asleep, you get to be Odell Beckham all over again, don't you, in your dreams? Yes, sir. <laughs> now, yes, now you, you move well. Now, what is your exact height and weight now, Dylan? Uh, right now, I'm a... Uh, Six two and a half, probably at about two fifty seven now. Okay, I'll tell you who you, I'll tell you who you put me in mind of when I watched your tape, and he, he's a little before your times. So you may have to ask your father or your older brothers or whatever. But a guy named Algie Crumpler from East uh-huh. Carolina, who was Michael Vick's favorite target when he was with the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> so it's A A L G E. Crumpler, like it sounds, C R U M P L E R. Look him up, and oh, my, that's that's you remind me of Algie Crumpler. Yes. My uh, my agent sent me a a YouTube clip of him the other day. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I watched him. So I know who you're talking about. Okay. Well, that's who. I mean, I swear to God, that almost felt like I was going back in time and watching him. And Terry, tell me a little bit about your high school career, uh, about the coach you played for, and some of the rivalries that your high school had? Um, well, my first my first three years of high school, I played 
um, under Coach Gross at um, Oxford High School. Coach Gross is now the head coach at JSU. But, um, you know, really love the guy. Coach, you know, taught me a lot, not just on the field, but off the field as well. And um, going into my senior year, he left and took the OC job at um, Jacksonville State. And I spent my senior year with uh, we were 6A in Alabama, so, you know, some of our rivals was Gaston City, uh, Pell City, Clay Chalksville, and I think that's about – that was like, uh, you know, it on our rivals. But I know one team that, you know, whenever we did play them, you know, it was always a great game and it kind of developed into like a cross-state robbery, and that was against um, Carrollton over in Georgia. Okay. So – so that would be like a black and white game. Like that was the game that you would put. Uh, obviously, you want to win every game, but that's the one where you would kind of pop your chest out a little bit if you want it. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, same question for you, Dylan. Who was the team that you most enjoyed getting the W over? Uh, it was a team called Central High School, man. They, they like they was our rivals for the longest, man. We went like back and forth. Each year in high school, like my freshman year, we won against them. Uh, my my sophomore year, they won and went like back and forth. It was it was just like a great atmosphere playing in front of our home crowd or just playing in front of people. Period. Okay, gotcha. And Tay, tell me about your recruitment process. When did you first start to hear from colleges? Um, it was actually right after my um my last game of my senior year. My junior year, I got hurt, you know, missing like eight games. So I really wasn't able to, you know, to generate any buzz as much. Um, my first two games, I you know, really played very well and things. But after I got hurt, um, all of that kind of just went away. So I basically just had like a fresh start my senior year. Okay. And which, which were the first few schools that started showing interest in you, Tay? Um, first, actually, it was one of the first, you know, Schools to show me interest. Uh, it was kind of weird just because um, Rock Thomas, who's at JSU, but um, at the time he was, you know, talking with Auburn, and I was in there, and they, you know, they were talking with me, and we were, you know, going over some things and stuff like that, trying to develop a plan. And then after I left from there, um, Coach um, Marcus West, he's up at Minnesota right now, but he came in, you know, and just was just straight up with me and told me, you know, if you know, they end up offering you, you know, you go there, but we want you here at Chattanooga. We've been watching you for a while, and we definitely think um, you can help our team out. Um, the, I chose Chattanooga because, it was, you know, the program was turning around. Coach um, Heisman, he's done a great job, you know, from turning the program around. Like, it went from possibly shutting down the football program to um, three-time SoCon champs and uh, playoff yeah. appearances and things. So, I was really attracted to that. Plus, um, I got a quality education, and the city, you know, was remarkable, and the family atmosphere here was, you know, was the deciding factor. Does uh, does Tio ever come around anymore, or is he he pretty much just uh, occasionally send a check? Sir, does Terrell Owens ever come around anymore? He just send a check every now and again. Um, he um he comes from time to time. He came this past season to our homecoming game. I think he's been here like the past two or three homecoming games. Okay. Do you, you ever get to team up close? Yeah, I have. He looks like he could step out on the field and play right now. I I definitely believe that. Like without a doubt. 
He is a physical marvel. Um, <laughs> I'm going to check real quick to see if Terry on has joined us as well. No, yeah, I joined in the middle of, of the conversation. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, no, no problem. Fine, <laughs> no problem. Okay, so just just recapping. So I've got Dylan, Terry on, and I've got Tay. Yes, sir. Excellent. Yes, sir. Excellent. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So Terry on, um, think back into the misty beginnings of your life as an athlete. What sport did you play first? I actually started uh, with baseball first. I didn't uh, pick up football until a year after. This was about seventh or sixth grade, I believe, one of them. But okay. I started baseball, and then I picked up football after. Okay. What position did you play in baseball? Center field. Yeah, of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> Real similar great, to playing receiver. Yeah, exactly. Great natural athletes find their ways to the right position somehow. Okay. And Dylan? Dylan, what position did you play in baseball? Because I know you were a baseball player, too. Uh, I was a pitcher. I, I played everything but first base, honestly, and catcher. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Impressive. Impressive. Um, and then, on in the part of the country where you grew up, pretty pretty football crazy. People, people always talk about, you know, obviously Texas, and people talk about, obviously, Florida, specifically South Florida, and occasionally they'll talk about, you know, Western Pennsylvania as well. But tell people about the football culture that you grew up in and some of the, the players that are from your part of the country. Um, yeah, I'm from Atlanta, so pretty yeah. much you got just about any type of athlete that wants to pick up any sport will pretty much just do exactly that. I mean, you got guys that – play football and then you cross over and play lacrosse in the in the spring. So we like the type of athletes we have here just makes the whole, you know, competition factor on the football field like that much more exciting. And plus it's so close that, you know, in the off season we compete against the guys that went to other high schools. You you got a bunch of people that obviously go off and play college, so college ball. So in the off season you would always come back and we have seven on seven tournament stuff. So Pretty much, um, like you were saying about Texas and Florida and everything. Like I, I believe Atlanta or just Georgia football in general is right up, right along pace with them. Well, I'll tell you this much: number three in terms of number of NFL players in terms of state of origin, Georgia's number three behind California and Texas. So it's not far behind, though. It's it's right there. Uh, so Georgia football is pretty serious. Who were some of the best guys you played with or played against as you were growing up? Best I played against. Um, as far as who's playing, uh, yeah, playing guys, the league now, right? Or just, or even the guys that played in college, or maybe they're just awesome in high school, and that's as far as they went. That happens. But who is when you think about the guys that you played with, whether it be you know, Pee Wee or or Pop Warner or high school or guys from your area that you played with or played against, that really impressed you whether they made the pros or not, just guys that you thought were great, really good ballers? I'm not sure what what those guys are doing now, but I remember when we played, I, I was a freshman in high school, we played, I believe, Henry County, and there was a receiver. I think his, his number was like five, and he was a, like a straight animal, and I was like 13, 14 years old. So he was just playing varsity football, and he just looked like uh, an animal like on the field or so. <laughs> I'm not sure what I don't really recall his name. It's been so long, but I know for sure, like okay. towards Marietta, the, the Marietta part of the state, 
they're they're pretty good out there as well. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Uh, same question for you, Dylan. Who's the best guys that you ever saw growing up? Maybe guys you played with or played against. Could be high school, Pop Warner, Pee Wee, in the neighborhood even, street ball, any place. The guys you grew up around who were really good. Um, you know, uh, they had uh, Landon Collins from uh, Dutch Town. I played with the Giants. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Played, played against him in high school. You know, he he's a good he's a good athlete, man. And uh, yes, they had a they had a, I forgot the running back from Acadian. He he was a running back back in high school, like around in the year of 2012. I forgot his name. He was a great athlete, okay. you know. So I said I said against a, a lot of people, man. That's that's pretty nice, man. Okay. And the same question for you, uh, Tay. Who were some of the best guys you faced, played with, uh, or played against when you were coming up? I can definitely say some of the best guys that I've you know played with uh, was my sophomore year. Corn, Corn Alexander, uh, Trey Elston. Uh, you can go on like my freshman year, Bobby McCain, um, Cody Sperlin, you know, Marcy Bass, like all those guys who like you know guys that I really looked up to. And as you know, as a young guy in varsity, they didn't take it easy on me. And at, t- at times, you know, I really you know I didn't like it. Um, I actually thought about Quinn myself, but now I you know I think that because. I've learned a lot from this successful career. Okay. Um, just successful um, careers and things. You know, it just really is like they're like my role models. You know, the people I look up to. Also, like my friend, Seth Rock Thomas, he was a freak of nature. Um, some things, some of the things I saw him do, like in high school, is just like if you tell someone about it, you wouldn't believe. Like you. You know, to believe it. But, um, gotcha. That's about it. No, that'll do. That will do. That will do. So you told me, Dylan, that you didn't get the level of recruitment that you were hoping or expecting to have. Now, that was, was that due to grades? Was that due to you just being overlooked? What was sort of the story behind your recruitment coming out, Dylan, out of high school? Out of high school? Yes. See, out of high school, man, I had I had some some teams recruiting me. You know, I had like the the Tennessees, like the UL, Louisiana Tech. But it's like it's like I put down some lunch that it's like when I got the letters, you know, I used to bring them home and show my parents, and I really wasn't like you know into it like I should have like I should have been. And you know, and when when uh and my grades and my grades in high school kind of you know they kind of held me back a little bit. Like actually being like all into it, in tune with it, I really wasn't in tune with it. So after high school, I was somebody you know to sign me or whatnot. So I joined military, and I and I've been in, I was in the military from 2012, and I recently just got out in 2016. So for two years, I was uh, doing military stuff, you know, and then that's when I decided to walk on. To uh, Hines, and that's that's what the story I was telling you before. That was the right. school in Mississippi. And, uh, you know, so things didn't go things didn't go that go my way that way. So it was like two weeks since the school started, and my grandfather he works at Southern. He's a professor, and, and so 
he uh he like it was two weeks into school and I don't know how he did it, but he pulled he pulled away for me in, to enroll in something in 2013. And you know, and I tried I tried to you know walk on in, but they was like you had to have a full year first. And so and so I had to wait to 2014. And, you know, I ended up talking to one of the coaches on the staff, and they said you can walk on in the summer of 14. And that's when I walked on, and that's when I started to see things beginning to change, man. Okay. And first of all, before I forget, thank you for your service. What was your uh, what, what was your job? What was your MOS? And we're in. Well, Bravo Okay. Okay. And you were in a total of four years. Yes, sir. Was all of it active, or, or did you have some reserve duty as well? Oh, uh, reserve duty. Oh, okay, got it, got it. Well, yeah. excellent. And I don't know if there's somebody sort of near you, Dylan, that's like dragging a bunch of furniture around or something. But if you could step a little bit away from whatever it is that's making so much background noise, that'd be great. Oh no, I'm sitting in the car. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not you. Maybe it's not you. Um, so let me get back over to um, ask Tay Octavius a few more questions. So tell me a little bit about your process. You said that you got you got hurt late, and then you ended up at um, UT2. So how long did it take you to really start to – well, I guess I'll start with this. What was your what they call welcome to college football moment? What was the thing that let you know that this is not high school anymore, that I'm in a different world? Uh, I'm trying to see. I, if I had to choose, I guess it was like maybe our, like our second scrimmage, um, like in fall camp going into my freshman year. And we was we were scrimmaging, and I was with the two teams we were going against the ones. And at the time, we had a running back, named Keon Williams, who was yeah. like 230, just solid, and was just a hard runner, very good running back. And I came down, you know, read the play. I came down here and tried to tackle him. And literally, I threw, you know, all my, like, the whole 180 (laughs) into him and trying to, you know, wrap up. And it honestly felt like I hit, like, a brick wall. And I just kind of, like, fell off of him. And he just kept running. And I was like, you know, usually guys go down. But it was was, was pretty tough. Like, that's when I kind of figured I was like, all right, um, I got to, you know, bring it more and, you know, train harder and things like that. So this won't happen um, again and stuff. But it was, you know, offense had pretty had a pretty good um, laugh about it and stuff, and let me know about it, especially as being a freshman and um, being oh, there oh yeah, but <laughs> they will let you know in no uncertain terms. But I got running backs live for moments like that where they get to truck, you know, some 180, 190 pound DB, and then you know catch him later and you know, hey, you know, you okay, son? You need to ice up, you know, all that all that kind of great stuff. Yeah, that's that's they live for that. I was right. an undersized safety. I know exactly how those sick people think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, I'll take it back to Terion. Same question for you. What was your welcome to college football moment, Terion? When did you realize that this is different from playing high school ball? Um, I would say um, when I got to Western Carolina in 2013, I, uh, I started the first game, which was like the beginning of – for the rest of the career, I started every game since, and we played Middle Tennessee up in um up at their place, and like my first catch was a touchdown, so I wasn't you know I hadn't got hit or anything yet, but like my second catch was like a little slant, 
and they had like this. He wasn't too big, but he was kind of he was kind of big, like a thick little outside linebacker. He had dreads, and quarterback kind of led me upfield too much, and like I'm all exposed catching the ball, and he came like ran straight through me. <laughs> now I'm like, a, like I said, I'm like a freshman, so I'm, I think I'm like 185, like five eleven, five ten, whatever. Right. So I was like probably one of the hardest hits I ever, you know, had to deal with. I never really got hit. <laughs> That hard. Now, now, I wonder if that was Kevin Bayard. Was, was it was the safety or a corner who uh, who laid you out? It was an outside linebacker. Oh, oh, good lord! Oh, that's no fun. I don't think you're supposed to leave me that far afield. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that how you said it? Just like that? That call me. I didn't say anything because he was like a. I think he might have been a senior, so. Oh, okay. So you just took your medicine, yeah. huh? <laughs> yeah, I was like, good throw, good throw. <laughs> well, that's just your yeah, he, that's the young man. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a pretty hard hit, though. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. Let me do, do a quick head count. Um, has Darian or BJ joined us? Yeah, Darian joined. Where are you, sir? Where are you where are you hunkered down uh for the next couple of days until something happens to change your life forever? I'm gonna be in St. Louis for a little minute, so I just got back from Chicago training with my brother. But um Oh I'm David, right? <laughs> yeah, David, yep. Okay. See, I wish I'd known you'd been here. I, I live in Chicago. I would have uh, taken you out for a healthy snack or uh, a smoothie. Oh, yeah. It ain't too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, um, there's a, a young man up here. I've had a couple of occasions, a young man named Rashad Coward, mm-hmm. uh, who I had on my show a couple of years ago from Old Dominion, got brought in by the Bears as an undrafted free agent. I got to finally meet him face-to-face. And, you know, once yeah. again, you know, you got to put good yeah. things in your body. So I think I took him to, uh, I think it was like a Jamba Juice or something. Uh, yeah, but, just, yeah, that was my last stop before I uh, left from Chicago. We was actually, okay. uh, we were staying with Willie Young. He had a he had a little townhouse out there. And uh, since they were former teammates, we ended up staying with him for, for a little deal. So we made, it, we made the most of it. So you have the advantage slash disadvantage because it, it also adds a little extra pressure. But when you have a brother who's in the league, he can sort of tell you a little bit about the path, you know, that he had to travel and how he got there and, you know, the ups and downs and the twists and the turns. Sure. Yeah. So I, uh-huh. yeah, I say I hear all the background information. So whether yep. that's getting yelled at just for being a, a rookie or, you know what I'm saying, or having whatever the situation be, it's just, it's a lot of things that people don't know goes on. Like, mm-hmm. you, don't, you won't notice what actually goes on. And then you mm-hmm. got people see you on TV, and they think you made it just because it's a televised <laughs> game or what what have you. So, it's a lot that goes into it. There's, the NFL is a, like I said, it's probably the most difficult thing you'll ever be, well, it's fatherhood, if you ever become a father, but but other yeah. than maybe that and, and going to war, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to be a soldier, much like Mr. Dylan uh-huh. Beard. 
and uh, serving combat. I'm going to be a father. But football is maybe the next thing after that in terms of difficulty uh, that you'll ever deal with. Now, you obviously come from a football family. Tell me about your introduction to the game of football, Derry, and how did you and football find each other? Uh, I, I pretty much had to join football. Uh, growing up, I've been playing since I was five, and my mama didn't give me the option. Uh, my father passed when I was four, so her biggest thing was to just get us joined in the sport. And from that, we just fell in love with it. Um, my brother's favorite thing was basketball. That was his first love. Right. But at the end of the day, you got better opportunities playing football. You got more people on the field, more people on the team. So it was just natural. I mean, like I said, we ain't really had an option, but we fell in love with it after all. Now, my understanding, I have sources, because um, uh-huh. I may have mentioned, my understanding is your brother still thinks he can hoop. Is he Now, how good a player yeah, is, is he actually? Because he seems to think he's really good. Yeah, he, he a bum. He, a, <laughs> uh, we go, we, we go at it all the time, but um, we, we were just talking about it. He he loved LeBron, and he was like, "I'm I'm done being a LeBron fan if he's gonna keep on pouting." But no, nah, we go back and forth at it all the time. So. See, this is the kind of insight you can't get every play. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> because to hear your brother tell it around the facility. Yeah. It was only his love of football that kept him from the NBA. Right, right. <laughs> we actually, when you when you were talking about uh, moving furniture around, making noise, we was out at the field working out. So he right here with me. Oh, right? yeah. That was that was me oh, making okay. out the noise. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. compare who was. Um, uh-huh. Okay, so so no problem. So obviously, he said you got introduced to the game young, and unlike the people's mothers who accidentally forgot to turn in permission slips, your mother was down there like first in the morning, making sure you were signed up. So you had the you had the opposite situation. Some of us who had to kind of whine and complain and bug people to get us to play right. football. So what was what was your position when you first started playing, Darian? I started off at offensive guard and uh, kicker. <laughs> I play so offensive guard and kicker, two sexy positions. Yeah. So in in uh in JFL Junior Football League, we um of course we had people playing all type of positions, but I started off at offensive guard. I was one of the bigger guys, so I always had to lose weight and go to the sauna before weighing. And um <laughs> ended up playing B B N. And as I grew up, um I wasn't one of the bigger guys. So then that's when I started playing linebacker and safety and then uh, receiver in high school. So I ended up finding my okay. match at linebacker. I feel like I know that's my position. That's what I want to play. Okay. Now, what is your current height and weight? Uh, 6'2", 233. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you're not, you're not little. You just look small, small word next to your brother. That's right. <laughs> right. You got a different, okay. different frame. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, you got a slightly different deal, yes. Yeah. Um, and then, Tay, I know you were talking about being kind of a skinny freshman before. Now, what, Tay, what are you up to in terms of height and weight now? Um, 6'1", 225. Oh, oh, you found the weight room. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so that's not skinny anymore. And uh, the same question for, well, carry on. Yeah, where are you in terms of your current height and weight now? About 5'10", 198. Okay. 
So, you know, solid. Nothing wrong with that. You, 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 you got it all in the right place. That's what really matters. And I'll stick with you for the moment. Say that. Stick with you for the moment. Um, when you first got to your team, when you first settled in as a catamount, who were the guys that first sort of took you under their wing? Who were the guys that really sort of influenced you and helped you to, to acclimate? Definitely our quarterback. His name was uh, Troy Mitchell. He was from Texas. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know how they managed to get him all the way up to North Carolina, but yeah, he was um he was in the running for the starting quarterback and um yeah, he pretty much took me under his wing and then we had a receiver. His name was uh K B and he was from um probably like a little bit south from where I'm at at home in like East Atlanta. He was from like South Atlanta, so Okay. He played receiver as well, and he pretty much took me under his wing and, you know, made sure everything was smooth. I wasn't, you know, stressed out, worried about anything. Okay, good. And let me just do another real quick uh, roll call. So I've got Dylan Beard. I've got Terrion Robinson. I've got Tay Davis. I've got Darian Bass. Do I also have either David Akiri or, or B.J. McCoy as of yet? Okay. I'm here. Okay, just checking. They should be joining us soon as well. So we move forward. So I'm BJ here. Oh, there is BJ. Speaking of weight rooms uh, and whatnot, so uh, I've loved watching your tape. And somebody uh, told me a couple years ago, who was it? They sort of compared you to uh, Maurice Jones Drew a little bit. Um, But you're not quite that short. Uh, Now, what is, speaking of height and weight, what is your current height and weight, BJ? I'm five eight, two hundred and twenty pounds. Okay, yeah, you 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 you're kind of like Boris Um and I know you're a very humble young man, but there's a chance for you to brag at least a little bit. I've heard that you are a person who does some pretty serious things in the weight room. What are your what do you what are some of the things you you you're most proud of in terms of your weight room accomplishments? Um, well, I know my uh, my sophomore year here, um, I put up four sixty five on bench. Uh, also, I put up 625 on squat, um, and after that, man, I didn't really max it. They wouldn't allow me to max out anymore, so I kind of just, you know, went with the flow. <laughs> Who knows what you could have done if they let you keep going higher? That's true. Yeah, those are those are offensive lineman numbers, DJ. Those are those are crazy numbers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think you're the second strongest player we've had on, but the the guys who beat you were were not running backs. I put it that way. They're not playing. They're not playing ball handling or ball carrying positions. They were always the guys who put up bigger numbers that are like offensive and defensive ones. Okay. And and uh, I have a couple of questions, so I'll, I'll stick with you for the moment, BJ. Now mm-hmm. you started playing football when you were about how old? Uh, sorry, when I was five. You said about how old? I said I started when I was five years old. Five, okay. So, you, so we've got two, you're one of the two five guys who started at five. Then we have some guy, a guy who started about eight. And then a couple of late, later starters. Okay, so you played one of the sports coming up, DJ? Uh, I ran track. Uh, my first love was baseball. Uh, yeah, I ran track really and played basketball. Okay. Uh, but in baseball, what, were you, what positions did you play? I played second base. Yes. Excellent. Okay, so we've had a center fielder on a position I dabbled in, but I was mostly stuck out in left field when I was in the outfield. And then second base is my favorite position. So excellent. Great. Perfect. 
you have nothing to like about you. And when you were growing up, BJ, who are some of the other athletes from your area or some of the other players from your area that, that you grew up around that impressed you? Uh, could be guys that you played against, could be guys you played with, or just guys that are from the neighborhood or around you, but who are some of the other more impressive athletes you saw coming up? Uh, growing up, um, uh, Jay Crowder, um, he plays with oh. the, uh, Utah Jazz now. He was actually a great football yeah. player also. Um, yeah. I, used play with, uh, I used to play with Jonathan Jones, who actually plays with the Patriots right now. Um, yeah. I play, I play with some great guys, man, but those are two guys who, you know, they really impressed me coming up. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine. I remember Jay Crowder was, a, I guess, even a three-sport athlete, right? Didn't he also play... Uh, there was a uh, what was it? Uh, football, basketball. I can't remember. What, was it track? I can't remember. But I remember he was a really great all-around athlete. So that's that's a good name to throw out there. Now, what position did he play when he was playing football? Uh, he played cornerback. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, see, that's that's a, one of the most impressive football players I ever saw from my area. I grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Uh, was Allen Iverson, and most yeah, of them was a basketball player, but Bubba Chuck, as we used to call him as a kid, was one of the best football players I've ever had on. I watched Michael Vick and Marcus Vick and Aaron Brooks. Two of my cousins <laughs> played with Lawrence Taylor at Rocky at high school. I saw Bruce Smith up close in person when I was on JV at, Link, at um, Lake Taylor High School. Our high school went up against Booker T. Washington, which was our main rival, and Bruce Smith played for Booker T., and oh, my God. <laughs> I felt so sorry for them because he was just – it was like playing two or three guys at the same time. It was unfair, wow. the things that Bruce I know did. it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, LT was ridiculous, but he was kind of a normal-sized person. Bruce Smith, he actually was heavier in high school than in the NFL. He was about 305 pounds, kind of a fat kid, but ridiculously athletic. And – he, you could not run him. He was throwing five pounds. He was running down running back for a while. It was crazy. Oh, just awful. It was terrible watching it's what he did to people. Uh, so, yes, yes. Um, we had a couple of guys who, who, were, who were great multi-sport athletes, but I think Allen Iverson, you know, was one of the – I'd put at the top because he could do – because he wasn't a big guy, obviously, but, my God, was he quick and tough. So, uh, going back to you, Charion. How long did it take you to start moving your way up the depth chart when you got to, once you got to school? Because um, I know obviously this starts you down, you know, scout team and your weight buried on the depth chart. How long did it take you to start moving up and start getting some clock? Because I, I believe you said you saw some early, some early clock. You actually got some play early in your career. How long did it take you to start when you first, from when you first arrived? Because I guess you must have impressed somebody, what, in camp or something? You still with me, Charion? Did I lose Charion? Uh-oh. Maybe I did. Let me double check. Hello? Oh, no? I guess I didn't. Are you still with us, Charion? Yeah, I'm not sure what was going on. Yeah, I'm here. Well, okay, just making sure. Uh, so I was just saying, you saw some early action. How long did it take you to, to start moving up the depth chart? Because you saw the field early. Um, like, summertime, you know, coaches aren't really around, so we finished summer workouts, and I was, um, I was decent. I mean, I wasn't, like, too strong, too, but, um, we got to camp, and, like, the one receiver went down, and 
like the second day of practice, like I was with the one, so it was setting stone from there. Like I went out and I think I had like forty catches freshman year, man. That pretty much you know, just setting in stone to my career. Okay. And the same question for you, Mr. Beard. Obviously you had sort of an unusual path, but how long you know, how long did it take you to start actually getting a chance to do the field? Uh, to start playing. Right. But, you know, obviously you start way down on the depth chart initially, but how long did it take you to start climbing, you know, getting up to at least you're getting, you know, second team reps and then eventually hitting the field? Uh, it, it really took me to, like, my sophomore year. Like, my freshman year, I got a little playing time. And, like, my my uh, my sophomore year, that's when I started kind of seeing the field more because one of our other tight ends, he moved to receiver. So that so that put me up to second string, and like the offense we was running, my sophomore year we was playing like running twelve. So you know it's two tight ends in the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know I got I got to so you know I got to get some burn and got my feet wet. But then like that's my junior. I started my junior year, and that's when it took off. When I started playing my junior year. Okay. Okay. Got it. And same question for you, Tay. How long did it take you to start climbing the depth chart? Um, well, actually, I spent my first three seasons um, as a backup safety. And um, once Coach Richmond, um, went to Richmond, Coach Arth, you know, their new staff came in and switched me to linebacker. And that was like, um, up until that point, I was like strictly special teams playing here and there. But um, this past season was the most I played in my college career. Okay. Gotcha. And certainly not least, but last in the further case, same question to you, Mr. B.J. Shorter. How long did it take you to start getting some clock? Uh, well, I actually got some burn my freshman year. Um, I was a second team running back, uh, so I probably got about 10 carries a game, but I also played special teams, and I started on all special teams. But, uh, yeah, I was second team running back at the time. Okay. And and that's a perfect segue because special teams is what I want to make sure I talk about. People don't spend enough time talking about it. They don't acknowledge how important a phase of the game it is. But I'll tell you this much. A guy who's pretty smart about football, Bill Belichick, puts an extreme emphasis on special teams. And he truly believes that about three games a year, every season, are decided by special teams play. And he works his team harder than most. So it's that way. On special teams. Uh, it's how he got his start as a young coach. He was a special teams coach when he was very young. And some of his favorite players, he just lost Matthew Slater, and I'm willing to bet it's probably one of the players that hurt him most to lose in his coaching career. He loved Matthew Slater because that was really the key to their special teams. He was their leader, uh, practically a coach almost on special teams. So you mentioned that you uh, had been on special teams. What units were you on, and what did you do on special teams before PJ? Um, I played kickoff, kick return, punt, punt return, field goal team, field goal block team. I was on every special team there was. I was also on a hand team. I was also on offside kick. Uh, but I really enjoyed playing uh, punt team and uh, kickoff. Those was my favorite two. Okay. Well, let me just say this. That is super important. Um, and because if you're going to make an NFL team, the person who decides as much as anyone else that you make that team is a special teams coach. The last 
five or six names. You look at a 53-man roster. Those last five or six names, they may say safety or wide receiver, running back or tight end or whatever, but they're on special teams. You know, that's really what they are. So whatever it says their position is, that's, that's cool and everything. And, you know, if something happens, they'll play that position. But their real contribution to the team, when you're a second or third stringer at the NFL level, especially at linebacker, safety, corner, tight end, basically any position where you can run, running back, you are going to be on somebody's coverage units, probably both, kick and punt up punt. You might be on punt block. You might be a personal punt protector. You might be a L3 on kickoff coverage. You might be, you know, they're going to find somebody to use you. Uh, same question for you, Dylan. What have you done before on special teams? Uh, I did uh, field goal. I was on kickoff return, uh, hand team. And on side, you know, I was on kickoff my freshman year, but they took me off. They uh, they started seeing me getting a little winded, you know, so they took me off uh, kickoff. But other than that, I was on almost everything but punt return and punt. Okay. And, Terry, what's your experience been like on special teams? Um, I've played every every part of special teams, kickoff, kickoff return, punt, punt return, um, I've done it all from being a gun on the front line of kickoff return. I just I always, and I'm a person who really thinks, um, like you said, teams is an important aspect of the game. And with my time, with, with my time here at Chattanooga, um, I've definitely taken some games on three special teams. So I know it's a very key part of the game. And I'm a group okay. like, really, really love it. Excellent. You'd better because that's like I said. If you when you get to an NFL camp, that first thing you're going to do is they're going to your special teams coach is going to pull you over and ask you. He might ask you a couple of questions about what you've done before, but whatever you've done before, haven't done before, they're going to you're going to get a chance to show them pretty quickly as they start installing. It moves right. Well, once again, I'll get in. Will will probably back me up on this because I'm sure he's had a, his brothers throw them on how quickly some things move. Um, so, uh, same question actually for you, for you, Darian, what have you done before in special teams? And I, that's where I got my respect from. Uh, I, I started off playing every special team. Like I was excited to get on the field and, um, I actually want to bet with my brother because, uh, he had, he had a pick six, but he was like, I bet you want to get a touchdown in your college career being a linebacker. But. I got my touchdown on special teams. So special teams is everything for me. That's that's music to a to a to a team to a team's ears because, like I said, I don't care if you're a third round draft pick. You're probably gonna be on special teams for sure. You know, it's better. Yeah. I was talking to my brother, and he said when he got he got picked up by Oakland. They asked him what all has he done in the past, and he mentioned long snap from high school. And uh, he ended up long snapping for the Raiders and being third stream, even though he didn't have to do it. He was listed as a long snapper. Yeah. Well, here's 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 a crazy story. Some of you may be familiar with the name of Jared Allen. Does that name mean anything to anybody? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Jared Allen is mm-hmm. going to make the Hall of Fame sometime in the next few years. As a pass rusher, defensive end. However, 
when he was coming out of Idaho State, the reason that he survived the cuts, well, two reasons he survived the cuts when he was with Kansas City. One is Coach Vermeule loved him, loved him. You know, he, he didn't look the part. He wasn't a super athlete, but Coach, Coach Vermeule loved him. And the other thing was that they lost their long snapper. Their long snapper got, uh, broke his hand late in camp. And they're like, who else was on the long snap? And only one other hand went up. That was Jared Allen. Well, we can't cut him. He's the only guy who can long snap. So they usually signed him as a long snapper. But by that time, Jared Allen had made the team for what he could do in other areas. But what kept him through the cuts as, you know, the, the Turk comes collecting playbooks and destroying people's dreams was the fact that they couldn't cut it. He's the only guy who has to be long snap for, for a few weeks there. So the ability to, do, to contribute on special teams, especially if you're a, a guy who's drafted late, you're a rookie from any school with a direction in the name, you know, Western this, Northern that, whatever, you better be able to contribute on special teams. If you're not a guy who goes in the first couple rounds, you're not one of those guys who is, you know, kissing his mom on TV when he gets pissed or whatever, you know, shaking hands with the commissioner, you better be on special teams. Um, let's see, carry on. Did I ask you, Tay, did I ask you about your special experience, Tay? Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Okay, yeah. so I think I'm going to if I miss somebody. I got to, let's see, BJ, Darian, Tay, carry on. Okay, then I got everybody. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's your best friend. I'm not kidding. When you get to camp, the special teams coach is your best friend. Your DB coach, I mean, he might be your friend one day, but he's not your best friend, not yet, not when you first get to camp. You know, your your DB, your your linebacker coach, your your offense coordinator, your defensive coordinator, your wide receiver coach, all those are great individuals, and they will be very important in your continuing career. But the first and best friend you need to have as a late drafted or undrafted rookie is special teams coordinator. That's that's special teams coach. That's your guy. That's your buddy. That's the guy you you ask if he needs a cool frosty beverage during during some of the hot practices. You check on him. You see how he's doing. How are his wife and kids? You know what I'm saying? You need to, that's the guy you need to schmooze is a special team guy. Um, okay, excellent. So uh, I'll come back to you, Jay. Okay. When you established yourself, right, you, you established yourself. You went from being a guy that was that, you know, skinny little freshman. You work your way up, you work your way up, you work your way up. Tell me about when you sort of felt like you established yourself as a person, not as a player on the team, but as one of the leaders or one of the people that people depend on. When, what was the, the moment or the play or the where were you in your career when you felt like they understand how, who I am as a player and they respect me now? When did you feel that happen? Um, I definitely feel like look at my more – as a leader, I'll say it was my senior year. The first year where, um, you know, I was still during the season, I kind of played before, but I kind of just accepted my role and, and just looked, you know, looked at for the positive standards. I'm out here to have fun. And I was able to make a lot more plays. And it was our home country against and a, it was a pretty tight game from halftime, and, and, you know, the coach was like, we need a big play on kickoff. And at the moment, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to make that play. And, you know, everybody was like, yeah, yeah, 
play, like show me then. And I'm in a, I end up making like a you know a pretty big hit with about the 15 um, kickoff. And we ended up blowing on Mercer out that game. And like ever since then, mm-hmm. uh, everyone was kind of looking at me. He's like, wow, like you know, like he's definitely like you know he gets it. Um, you know, he's not selfish. Like you know, he's you know team first. Um, you know, he practiced what he preached, and I just kind of took that momentum into my team here and, you know, became a very good leader for the team and just tried to, you know, be a great teammate as well. Okay. Now, Dylan, you obviously came in as kind of an older cat. Do people give you any, you know, any guff, any give you, mess with you about your age when you, when you come uh, into the team? Uh, kind of, but uh, not really, you know. They, they, my nickname for the team was Unk. You know, I guess since I was like a year, a year, a year and a half older than everybody else, so they, so they used to call me Unk all the time. Uh-huh. Uh, 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 the dude, the dude with the tucked in shirt, they used to always have like when I first got there, I used to always have like my shirt tucked in my shorts. Right. I don't know why. I don't know why I did it. I just did it to do it, and uh, and so you know, it just, I got a name Unk from them. You know, they just they looked up to me and respected me. And I guess, and, I, and honestly, I guess most of them started looking up to me because I, I got a lot of tattoos, and they just yeah. used to be looking at me and be like, "Man, he got all them tattoos. He doesn't like he got there. He did everything and above." So, you know, but they just started calling me on on the team. So, but we just took it from there, you know. And I just okay. earned everybody respect from when I first started, and I just gained everybody's, you know, uplift. Okay. Uh, same question for you, Mr. Shorter. Obviously, as you said, you, you saw some time on the field fairly early on in your career. When did it turn to the, you being a contributor to people seeing you as one of the leaders on the team? Um, I, I really believe it was my uh, sophomore year. Um, it was just we was going through a lot team-wise, man. And, uh, we had a team meeting. I actually called a team meeting beside the um, gym, and the whole team came out there. And uh, it was a day off of practice, actually, and I just called everybody up, man. I had about an hour conversation with the entire team. And, you know, I just told them about coming together, man. And I think that time is when people, you know, really think me as a leader because I was usually a leader that leads by example. Um, I don't really talk much. So when they actually heard me talk, you know, it kind of it kind of hit home for them. Right. Plus, they've seen you moving all that, all that steel in the weight room. So I, that probably made them want to listen because – Nobody wants an angry Hulk. Um, now, you mentioned that, and I don't want to get too deep into it, but your team did go through some upheaval. I'll leave it at that, um, where maybe so there's some things not being understood correctly, things like that. When you do see, and you said you're not a, a, a yeller or a talker or whatever, but you, the responsibility that you feel when you do see something going on where the team's not heading in the right direction or maybe guys aren't pulling their weight or whatever's happening, right, um, how do you straighten that out? What, what does it take to fix it when maybe a team's starting to run off the rails, in your opinion, uh, BJ? Well, first of all, man, I just feel like, you know, when you, when you yell at other grown men, man, they kind of make them feel some type of way, so that might, you know, make them angry. But I like to bring players to the side and try to talk to them and try to make them understand, you know, why I want to talk to them at the moment and try to get them to understand, you know, we're we a team and there's a certain concept we, we, we go by on our team. 
And so I'll tell them I don't feel like you're sticking by the concept. So, you know, I need you right now, you know. So I, I let them know, man, that I'm here for them and I care for them, man. And I try to tell them, man, you know, uh, no matter what we're going through, we're going to go through it as a team. And, you know, that's that's one thing I try to establish with my team. Okay. And then, Darian, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, you've had to deal with coming from out from behind a shadow before and things like that. What right. is it that allowed you to finally get to that point where the team respected you as Darian? You know, they, you weren't somebody's brother. You weren't somebody's whatever. You were Darian, and we respect you for what you bring to the team. When, when yeah. did that happen? When did that switch flip? Like you mentioned, coming in, I was the I was the comfortable one because I I knew the team, I knew guys before I was even enrolled in school. And uh, when I made that transition to make my own name, it came um, throughout summer workouts. And basically, that's just being able to commit to off season workout where you're not guaranteed any anything. You just gotta dedicate your time. You gotta find a job to make your own money. It ain't no scholarships, none of that coming from the D2 level. So mm-hmm. when I made the step, I made the uh, decision to get my entire freshman class to stay. And a lot of guys were like, "No, nah, I'm gonna go back to the, I'm gonna go back home. I ain't seen my family in a while. This and that." And um, we the coaches couldn't make it mandatory, so I right. I went ahead and took the step to be like, "Let's be the first class to um have everybody stay. If you want to play, you gotta stay." So. Uh, I feel like that's where my peers see me as a leader compared to the upper class. Okay. Huh. And so everybody ended up staying, or did, or did a couple of guys say, you know, that's cool and everything, but? I mean, a few guys a few guys ended up uh, okay. not, not committing to it at all. We had some guys who were uh, commuting back and forth, or they had come for this month or come for the second half. And, uh, mm-hmm. All in all, you the guys that wasn't fully committed, they didn't they didn't finish the, the their careers or whatever that may be. It may be another situation, but you could tell who is truly committed and who is dedicated to the game. So. Oh yes. Oh yeah, you can get by in high school on talent, but all of you right. know that you. But thing we talked about college, college weeds out the people who don't really really love it, and you think college is a big weed out. Just you wait. Of course, obviously, you know, you know, because you've talked to right. people who made that job. Right. You, you find out real quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll stick with you for a moment. Obviously, yeah. you've, you've been told a few things about your, by your brother. If you were going to mm-hmm. say the things, obviously, some of the stuff he's told you, you know, it won't mean much to you yet, but it's about to. What do you right. think is the most valuable thing you've gained so far, Darian, from having a brother who's fairly recently been through the whole process? Uh, coming coming from him being the first, the closest guy to me get drafted or make it to the NFL any, anyway, um, starting with eating habits, he was coming back telling me, like, I can drink cherry juice to help prevent inflammation and it'll help me sleep at night. I'm like, mm-hmm. who would ever think of, to drink cherry juice or go out and buy cherry juice? And um, <laughs> just having that type of advantage. And then another another close friend, Mike Jordan, who's with the Browns now. Oh, he, yeah. Uh, yeah, he made the move. He he ended up coming back and telling me, like, invest in your body. Uh, this guy's in a league who spent thousands, thousands of dollars on their body within mm-hmm. a few months. And I was like, it makes sense because that's, 
that's what you're gonna use every day. Your body, it ain't it ain't like you need to invest in your car because that's not what you need. You need your body for everything. So I was like, that's that's the dedication that I need to make. That's what I need to commit to and treat my body how it deserves to be treated. Yeah. So I would say uh eating habits will be the biggest advantage that I can Okay. Yeah, I mean, we all remember, or so much remember, when, uh, once again, back to Mr. Terrell Owens, when he broke his leg, he purchased a hyperbaric chamber to be put uh-huh. to his home, right? So to help, to help him with, with, to get, because it was only three weeks between the injury and and trying to play in the Super Bowl. And which right. and most people wrote him off, like, okay, you're up, you'll play. You know, you broke your tibia. You know, you're done, man. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we... We, 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 once again, if you believe it, you can do it. Um, obviously, it helps also if you're willing to spend 30 grand or whatever on certain things. Right. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. James Harrison has a gym uh, in his home that probably is better than most of the weight rooms most you guys have on campus. Because that's all James Harrison seems to care about is lifted weights. So, I mean, that, that man has got a sickness, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how you hang around. Once again, undrafted free agent. You're too short. You know, you 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 can't play this position because you can't be a three four outside linebacker. You're five ten and a half. You know, who's ever heard of a five ten and a half three four? You might be able to play Mike linebacker at that height. Well, seventeen years later, you know. <laughs> oh, but yes. The, this is the biggest, like I said, you've all been told it's the biggest, you know, whatever, the toughest, the hardest, the jump, the, the jump is whatever, and how fast everything moves. And it's, once again, as, as Darian's brother would, would definitely tell you, everything you've heard is to some extent true. Um, the coaches don't have time. I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to be mean, but they really don't. The things that you need to get on your own if you're going to be a pro, a pro football player, they just, they just can't, especially, you know, once again, you guys, no offense, but you want a guy that we took in the first two rounds. So you have to get certain stuff on your own. I am, the coach is not going to sit there and say, oh, well, here you need to be doing this. So you, the ability to absorb the playbook fast, really fast, I can't tell you how many guys who were tremendous athletes didn't play in the NFL because of what they couldn't get their head to, to take in fast enough. Amazing athletes, strong, fast, flexible, everything. But the the brain couldn't absorb fast enough because it's you've all heard the expression drinking from the from the um, fire hose. That is what it's like being a rookie, especially if you go to certain teams. I'm going to bring it back to carry on. So back to the playbook, right? Um, tell me about the offensive. Uh, I mean, tell me about the the systems you countered, you know, had to prepare for, and the system in which you played, and you know what what your responsibilities were. What did you have to do? What did you have to learn in order to play? Um, back to our offense in uh in college, it was like a typical no huddle. So, you know, you get the ball down as fast as you can, get it to the ref, and look to the sideline, which is really what I've gotten used to. I really like that a lot. We tried it in high school, but it didn't really stick. But yeah. that offense allows you to, uh, you know, keep the defense off balance and pretty much just keep the pressure on them. Um, the only big thing you have to worry about is not getting behind in the stick. So if you're getting what we tried to aim for was getting like around five yards on first down, so obviously it'd be like second and five. You can you can keep that pace going. 
at least to where it's third and short and it's not, you know, third and long. That's obviously when you have to slow it down and try to figure out how you can get that first down. Okay. Now, obviously when you go up tempo like that, do you pretty much align close to the same all the time or do you do they move you around in your offense? It depends on the play. Um, you try to disguise it so obviously the defense isn't, you know, tipped off to where the ball is going, but most of the time, if I was in the slot, then I would move to the, the um, long side of the field. If not, when I was playing outside, I would stay on the right side of the ball. Okay. And you, it, you broke, it broke down at about maybe 50% of the slot, about 25X and 25% Y? Or how, how did it break down generally for you? Um, I would say this, this my senior year, I was pretty much like 90% outside. I was in the slot oh. mainly when we would have like a two-hour receiver set. Other than that, I was outside the whole time. Okay. And were you normally on the, the uncovered or the covered side? Um, uncovered. Okay, got it, got it, okay. And about how many routes did you guys have installed? I mean, obviously, you could run a lot of different routes, but you don't use every route. I mean, people talk about the whole route tree. Well, theoretically, every offense has the quote-unquote entire route tree, but you can install that uh, because certain routes are used so rarely. But what... What in, an, in a quote unquote average game plan? How many routes? How many combinate route combinations did you probably actually have in that package? I would say at least about because sometimes what we would do is uh, leave me by myself in the boundary. So if that was the case, it would be you know just me in the, the corner unless they were doubling or something, and we could run about. I said we had about five or six routes that we did consistently every single game. I could pretty much count on the quarterback giving me that route because we got to the point where we could just my OC would allow us to, you know, give signals back and forth to the quarterback and myself and we would just run the okay. routes from there, whatever we saw. As far as okay. full field combinations, I say we went into the game with about about fourteen or fifteen of them, but we ran them all in different formations. So it'd be the same play in a different formation. Right. Okay, so I'm assuming you have things like probably a couple of different wide receiver screen packages, maybe like a crack screen or a slip screen or maybe a tunnel. You probably, I'm guessing, had, you know, things like, well, obviously everybody has slants and probably even a slant and go, probably a hitch yeah. or a hitch and go. And when you probably had a dig, um, you know, um, outs, like two different outs, maybe one that you ran yeah. You know, instead of a short yard situation, then one you could push up field and against certain coverages. Um, and then what, like a post and, and just a straight go out or, or fade? Yeah, those, the last three you named were really the money ball. So just about every time we threw the post, it was completed, especially on my side. Um, the go ball, like I said, if they would, you know, one on one with just the cornerback, and then we would throw the go ball all day. We were, we didn't really get that look too much because we were so good at throwing it. And then the out route, which is like like a little four step speed out, which was pretty much unstoppable yep. because no one would be pressed. So those three routes are pretty much the money routes. Okay. And tell tell me about your system and and what were your responsibilities? What did they expect you to do? 
Um, well, for defense, we just ran like a base three four with like multiple packages depending on our teams. Um, playing in the full coming, you got to worry about working their line with their, with their, you know, up tempo offense. But then you may the very next week you got to prepare for like a triple option team like the Citadel or Wofford and first last year. So I mean, we we definitely have to do a lot as a defense. Um, starting off, um, and I'll play my play my field, but I mainly just will. But as time went on, I developed into um, making all the checks and calls and getting everyone up. It was just something that I, you know, became very comfortable with. So we just kind of stuck with that. But, um, I mean, we were mainly a cover four um, defense. Uh, we played four teams. Uh, third long and stuff, we had our, um, like, deep teams. So we mainly matched up on, like, tight ends, back, back, things like that. So. Okay. So I'm going to give you sort of a, a situation. Let's say it's a – Third and eight for the offense, late in the game. They're down by four. It's a, they've got to have it. There's like a minute and 12 seconds. They've crossed the 50. They just crossed the 50-yard line. Um, they've got to keep the drive alive because they know there's not enough time for them to get the ball back if they, if they end up you know, giving it back over to you. So, um, And then one of those, you know, that's, that's, it's one of those, you know, they're in a two-by-two, two, you know, class balanced, um, you know, four receiver set. You want to get another one of your sort of classic up tempo, you know, spread waving hard offenses. And let's say the run with probably NCAA concept. Post over dig, um, with the running back, you know, checking for you know, blitz or checking, you know, see if he has to pick someone up and then if not, he's gonna run a little angle route over here and then you've got, you know, the the X is running um post. The the wire is running the dig, and then the slot is running um, a basic cross underneath. And like I said, the back is um, you know checking, and then if there's nobody coming, he's going to run a little, little angle route. Um, have I counted everybody? Let's see. Um, post dig. Um, oh, and then um, and then yes, you've got a and then there's like a backside. Uh, yeah, and then an out route, little speed out on the backside. Run it, run at the distance, at the sticks, or whatever. You know, running at the sticks. So, so he's got one deep route. Your post. You've got a middle. You know, um, the sort of intermediate route in the dig, and then you've got a couple of short routes. The flat route being run by the running back. You've got the um, a crosser, and then you've got the aforementioned um, speed out on the backside. So, in your defense, how do you defend that? What would you do? What would you call? Um, well, just like just being around you know, Coach Kaufman and our defensive coaches, depending on the quarterback, you know, if he was a dual threat guy, we just, uh, just probably call our basic 44 calls with our cover four and uh, kind of like passing off. That. But um, if he wanted to bring pressure, um, which you know, he really liked to at times, we were on either like shake, uh, which was a blitz with a with um, our safety and um, our, our start, they're coming off the edge, and we'll be what we would call a cut. So we're like all in break routes. Um, we're trying to make the uh, quarterback get the ball out of his foot um, to make those longer, you know, outside, more harder throws. Okay, gotcha. 
Okay, same same question for you, Dylan. Um, give me a play call. Same situation, right? You're third and eight. You got to have it. You know, clock's running. A minute twelve, minute eleven, minute ten, minute nine. Um, what's a we got to have it third and eight call that that you would see in your offense, Dylan? Uh, you know, with us being the spread, we're probably uh either out of three by one, we, we would call sixty one bucks. And that'd be where I, I'm the inside receiver. I I run the corner, and we have the, like the two outside receivers there run like an eight yard, eight yard dig or six yard dig. And the backside we have a post, but then our main our go to was Mav Sonics, where it would be two by two, H right, and I'd be flexed out in the odd run the shallow. My H will run the uh, the basic, and uh, on the basic side. They would have they would have a, a a post behind him, and the front side we have a goal. So you know, on the on, my, on the same side as me, so it'd be like Mav Sonics or crossing routes. Okay. And then Mr. Shorter, you know, since we have a running back and a guy who's got a little bit of power, a little bit of pop to his pad, I'm gonna give you a short yardage goal line situation. So. The ball with the one-and-a-half fourth down. And once again, you're down by four. You know, field goal does you no good. So you got to get it in there. What's a we-got-to-have-it play call that you guys would run short yardage goal on? Well, we would run six power. Uh, that's just me going straight up six old man going into the end zone, man. Uh, you know, that's what I was known for, man, my power game. So, you know, short yardage goal line, man, that, that was my place to go to. Okay. Gotcha. Um, let's let's talk pro day numbers, young men. Obviously, all of you have been through now the the poking, the prodding, the measuring, the jumping and the running and the catching balls and the being measured and all that good stuff. And – while I won't call it meaningless because it has meaning, and we wouldn't do it if it didn't have meaning, uh, it is important to remember, as I talked about with James Harrison, Tom Brady, Kurt Warner, a long list of others, that there are things that they can't measure, obviously, that, that go into what a lot of great players have accomplished. You know, if if, if you looked at Josh Gordon or, or Antonio Brown's workout numbers, <laughs> you would not think these are these are going to be pro all pro kind of players. Uh, Tom Brady had a very unimpressive day at the combine, um, and to his credit, <laughs> it inspired him. Um, and he is a better athlete now, pushing forty, than he was at twenty-three. It's not something you normally see, but he's a freak of nature uh, and truly obsessed in a way that only the great ones can be. So I'll stick with you, Mr. Shorter. Uh, tell me about your pro day experience and uh, the goals you set and. How close you may have come to the goals that you set for yourself at your pro day? Yeah, first of all, I just want to say, man, it was a great experience. I had a lot of fun. But um, I actually came pretty close to all the goals that I wanted. Um, I know I had a 32-inch vert. Um, I wanted to run a, a 4-5, but I ended up running the 4-6-1. Um, I ran a 4-3 shuttle. Um, and also I had a 7.1 L-drew. The L-drew didn't go the way I wanted it to, but, you know, um, you know, I ain't nothing I can do with it now, but I would have had have, have better. Seven, seven runs not embarrassing. What would you What would you thought you were gonna do? Uh, I was trying to get down to at least a six eight. That's what I was trying to do. Oh, um, but 
Because, no, because uh, you want to say slot receiver? Is that, is that what you're thinking? No, but I just, you know, I feel like I could have got there quicker, man. I feel like I got some quicker moves. So that's who I wanted to show them, man, that I could get there quick because I know everybody looks at me as a big guy. And so I want to show them, you know, even though I'm a big guy, I'm a muscular guy, but I can still move, you know. Okay. Well, 7-1 is nothing to be ashamed of, especially for a guy who can bench press probably down near 500 pounds. But uh, I got you. Um, did you – I mean, obviously the thing that I'm, I'm all excited about, what did you do on the bench? I did 40 reps. Did you, wait, slow down. Did you say 40? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> We have a winner in the history of doing this particular. I've been doing this since Gino Atkins. Since I mean, I've had people on since going back a ways. I've been doing this since like 2009, and I think that's the record. <laughs> that is a crazy, crazy number. Wow! All right, then. Yeah, that was what I was I was looking for. So, thirty-two inch vert, forty on the rep, the forty on the on the vert. Uh, what did you do on the long jump? Uh, long jump. Nine, seven. I'm at nine seven. Sorry. Nine seven. Okay, respectable. Uh, seven one. And what did you do on the um, short shuttle, the pro agility? I did a four three four. Four three. Okay, four three four. Okay, solid. And a four six one forty, which I was my guess was four five eight for you, so that's just going off tape. So that was pretty much in line with what I saw on tape. Okay, cool. Uh, same question for you, Mr. Beard. Tell me about your pro day experience and how close you came to hitting the goals you set for yourself. Uh, it was it was a blessing, man. You know, I'm I'm just thankful for the experience. And uh, honestly, I I have yet to get my outside numbers, but in the inside, I did a uh, nineteen reps on the bench. A nine-eight bar jump and um a thirty vertical. Yeah. Okay. Like I, so like you I don't said, know you don't know what you did on any of the agility or speed kind of it. No, sir. I've been contacting my coach like the day after pro day, and I still haven't like got nothing. Well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so, it, 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 you should be able to get your information. If not the same day, then a day or two later. That's crazy. Yeah, the same thing I'm saying, my brother. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not going to – whatever. Uh, <laughs> another day, we'll talk about – I have thoughts on this matter. We'll we'll talk more at some other time when it's more appropriate. Uh, uh, <laughs> trust me, I have thoughts on this. Same question for you, Jay. Tell me what's the experience and, and – uh, and how you how close you came to the goals you set? Um, you know, just like like the rest of the guys, it was just a blessing. Just be in that position, you know. Um, that day, I had a blast. Uh, actually, I actually twisted my ankle on pro day, so that was you know, that was pretty nice. But I ended oh. up um, jumping thirty five inch vertical um, broad jump, non stick, um, a forty. Uh, I was like four, five, six. Okay. Uh, I did the short shuttle. I think I did four, three. Definitely could have done better, and I didn't run the that day. Okay, did you did you bench? Oh yes, I did bench. I got seven. 
You said 10? 17. Oh, 17. Oh, okay. That's not bad. And you said you weighed You weighed in at what? Um, on pro day, I weighed in at 24. You said 224? Yes, sir. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Uh, let's see, who did I leave out? Did I, tay, did I get to Tay? No, carry on. Carry on, that's what I forgot, right? Yeah, I haven't gone yet. Okay, I, 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 just, I knew it somewhere I looked at. Uh, tell me what you're doing. Do you know your experience and uh, what um, it was like and how you did it? Was, uh, like, it was pretty exciting. Unfortunately, I uh, had to tweak my hamstring early on in the day. I guess I would yeah, I had a knot in it like the week of, and I was trying to get it out, but um, I felt pretty good hitting in like that Saturday. I thought it was Tuesday, so I had been relaxing. Uh, I mean, it just tweaked on me. I believe my like I did I did the um, the vert, the broad, and the bench press and the forty, and my bench press was about thirteen. That was exactly what I was you know aiming for. Um, forty, I wasn't. And, you know, like I said, I, I wasn't able to really do anything. Same with the broad and the uh, the vert. So it was it was fun being there, though. Like everyone said, it was a blessing to be there. It was fun so, to see, you know, everybody, you know. So the only test you were able to do the numbers. Wait, so the only test you were able to do the, the you said you were able to do the bench, the vertical, and the broad. Yeah, and I did the forty as well. Probably shouldn't have done the forty, but I did it anyway. Okay, so what did you do on the, the bench? I mean, you said 13 on the bench. What did you do on the broad and the vertical? It was a 9.4 and a 33-inch on the vert. And then okay. I did like a 4.63. Okay. And you probably could have gone 4.51 if you hadn't hurt your hamstring. Yeah, that's what really – I was aiming for that the whole time when I was training. So. Okay. It was just gotcha. unfortunate how that happened, but there's nothing you can do about it now. Nope, no. There's nothing you can do about it now. Uh, I, how, how's the hamstring now? It's much better now. The printer was uh, March 27th up at uh, Appalachian State. And yeah, it's much better now. Okay. Now, was it weird at all going into the, you know, the, the, the lair of your enemy up there in Boone to be a printer, or, or was it okay? Oh, because the thing is, they actually left the SoCon, like, I think my freshman year, like, oh, right. the last time playing us. So, yeah, they were, they were pretty chill. They were pretty cool. And then, uh, you know, Mark Spear was actually the coach I had. So they never, um, they, they treated us pretty good. <laughs> yes, that's right. Right. That used to be, it would have been pure hatred like five years ago. You're right. Now, now yeah, I don't think that would have. I don't think that would have been too good to, uh, to try and pull off. <laughs> That's right. Yes, they took they, they, they took one year as an independent, and then they jumped up to the Sun Belt. Yeah, of course, I do. I do that. Yeah, um, App State and uh, Georgia Southern. Yes, yes. Which tells you something because both of them competed right away. I mean, they both were contenders right away when they went up to the Sun Belt. So it lets you know what they were doing at the FCS level, because uh, yeah, they, they were pretty good. They, they had absolutely no problems competing. They'll take it to the Sun Belt. They were, I think, I think App State were like 9-2 and two their first year in the conference or something like that. Yeah, they just weren't able to, uh, I think, actually win it because it was their first season. Right, the first they season they were, they were, right, exactly. They were, right, they were like on a, not probation, whatever they called it, but 
but yeah, it was like a, they weren't allowed to to compete for the conference championship. But they would have been able to get. They, if they had been allowed to, they would have probably played for the conference championship. They only went nine and two. Um, so, so sticking with, I'll stick with you for the moment. Did you hear from any teams after your pro day, or or even before the pro day? Any any teams reach out to you, your people, ask for tape, or ask any questions of you? Um, they were really just concerned about the forty, which is why you know it was so kind of disheartening what you know went yeah. down at pro day because um I believe at junior day, um, like during workouts in college, you know we never truly worked on the forty, so. My junior day time was like a four seven, and which didn't really make sense because like you watch film, you see me like running by people all the time. But I just, like I said, didn't know how to run the forty. So they were really concerned about you know seeing what the actual forty time would be. Yeah, that's just the film. It was, it was, it just didn't make sense. <laughs> right. Well, you look like low four five um, on on tape, and I hope you know that. So, well, so so did anyone reached out to you or your people about getting tape, or did you get invited to to any any local days that any teams had? Yeah, I did the Falcons local day. Um, I believe that was the fourth earlier this month, and it's um I, I did pretty good there as well. I did um, receiver and punt return stuff, kick return. Um, yeah, like you were saying, like just on tape. People were just saying like um, the time didn't make sense, honestly, because like you said, you can look on tape and tell. So, but um, yeah. my agent says um, we'll be seeing like we'll hear stuff like day three and probably undrafted right after yeah. that. So, you you you'll be part of what I call the eighth round, most likely. And obviously, if you you know, I mean, not to further rub it in, but if you'd run a great forty, obviously that might have changed some things, but. The fact is that yeah, <laughs> it's not a huge, there's not a huge difference in going in the seventh and being an undrafted creator. There really isn't a, the the big difference actually, depending upon just how late we're talking, is that now you're picking the team and you get to look at the roster, the coaching staff, and you know sort of figure out where you might fit as opposed to just going wherever somebody drafts you. Um, same question for you, BJ. I'll go back to you. Uh, talk to me about teams that may have wanted to invite you in or reached out to you or asked for more tape or have had questions for you? What teams have shown the most interest so far? Uh Uh-oh. Did we lose Mr. Shorter? He's there, BJ? Maybe? I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay. I was saying in terms of interest from NFL teams. Uh, who's what teams have reached out to you, or maybe asked for tape, or had questions, or wanted to invite you in, things like that? What teams have reached out the most, or have shown the most interest? Uh, the only one so far is the Baltimore Ravens. So um, I'm just I'm really hoping, man, on drive uh, after the drive, man, that they give me a call to come to a rookie mini camp, man. So that's that's pretty much the only team right now. Okay. Well, you do fit a lot of what the Ravens like in a running back. A lot of the running backs have looked like you. A lot of the Seattle Seahawks running backs have looked like you, and obviously people always bring up Maurice Jones-Drew by way of comparison because you are, I think, thick is the word we're looking for. I think that's fair to say. Uh, You're you're a thick person. You're you're very dense, compact, whatever term you like to use. Um, There's a lot of of man in a fairly, you know, small, 
outside package, but a lot of power in that package, and your your tape is fun. Uh, Same question for you, Darian. Uh, Tell me – wait, Darian, did you tell me about your pro day or did I forget you? Darian? Darian? Uh Uh-oh. Darian? Did we lose Darian? (laughs) Oh, well. Oh, well. Let's see. So I still have Mr. Beard, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, thought so. Well, I know you. You you know not to leave your post until you've been relieved. Um, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he knows his stand. He's his ten standing orders. Uh, let's see. I've also still have obviously just talked to both Tay and let's see. So I've got. So I guess we just lost. Yeah, okay. So we lost. Uh, hopefully we can get Darian back, but if not, we'll proceed further. I'm going to need about a few more minutes for you gentlemen's time. Thank you so much. So let's talk about my often emulated but never quite imitated world-famous final question I'll ask of each of you. If you don't mind, young man, I'm going to put you each about three or so years into the future. As you are finishing up the quote-unquote rookie deal, and once again, uh, if Darian were here, he would talk about, you know, how every player is just trying to get through that rookie deal so you could actually get to your second contract, because that's where your life is really changing. Um, if, if, you're, if you're a late drafted player or an undrafted free agent player, you, you're balling on a budget. Uh, don't, don't go crazy with you. If, if, would you, would you Sign that contract. You make that team. You know, don't don't run out buying a bunch of gold plated, platinum plated, whatever. And you know, uh, don't get a butler right away. Stuff like that. Uh, just just let you know. Uh, wait till your second contract before you start trying to do an MTV clip style. Uh, a lot can happen early in your career. You know, you know, don't don't start living that caviar lifestyle immediately. Uh, I'm sure someone's probably told most of you guys that already. But when you do get on that team, whoever it is that brings you in, whoever it is that decides to make that place your NFL home, I'll start with I'll start with you, Mr. Shorter. I think whether it's the Ravens or another NFL team, you are a – I know you want to show off your quickness and you're, you know, you're nimble out, you're great, your feet on, you have good feet, but you're a guy who can get what we call dirty yards, hard yards. The, the yards that some people don't want to get because it's going to hurt, you know. There's, you know, there's, you can't try to try to create, you know. You can't try to get to the outside. No, you, we need these two, three yards, and I need you to run through a tackle or run through a couple tackles or run into a three-pound human being to get those yards. And you are okay with that. I know because I've seen you do it. And there's a place for that because not everybody, not everybody wants this. Right? I mean, everybody wants to do Reggie Bush. You know, everybody wants to do that because that's sweet. That's sexy. Kids watch that on YouTube. They will forever. But kids are pulling up a lot of, you know, like, tape of uh, guys like Sam Gash. You know, they're watching hour after hour of, of, of short yardage specialists. You know, man, I love watching that guy get those two-yard runs. Man, look at Jamal Lewis banging up in there for three yards. Like, the kids better watch that on YouTube for whatever reason, but 
there is a place for that. And the Ravens, whatever, when they bring you in, you know, because if you know special teams, that's what you're going to do at first. Then eventually, as you show what you do as a running back, I think you're going to be part of what they call three-back rotation or running back by committee, whatever term you like to use. But the guy that gets those yards that not everybody can get, those man yards, those, you know, you got to have a little bit of ticker in your chest yards, that's what's going to help you to stay in the league. And I think when you get to that second contract, you know, you're going to really be established, find your way into the league. They know who you are and what you are. And when you go back and you go back to shorter or you go back to even your high school, when you go back to talk to young players and, and young men, what would you want them to understand uh, about this game? And then the second, it's a two-part question, and then what game from your college career would you want to show them to help them understand what kind of player you were and what you brought to the table? Did you get all that? Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, so we've lost Darian. We may have lost DJ. Okay, great. Well, okay, we're, we're, hey, well, then I'm going with who I've got. So the same question, but to you, Dylan Beard, um, only obviously that you forget the short yard running back stuff, but there are some teams that love tight ends. Some teams carry three. A few teams carry four. The Patriots carry like seven. Um, Bill Belichick loves tight ends. He just loves them. Can't get enough of them. Uh, so there's an opportunity. If you're willing to block put on special teams, to be that, that move tight end, that second tight end, you wham block, you you get mismatched situations where you get to run away from some of the slower back, uh, linebackers who aren't great in coverage, things like that. Uh-huh. Same question. When you go to, back to talk to young people at your high school or, or when you go back to Southern and talk to them about this game, what do you want to leave with those young men and what game of yours would you show them from your college career? Mm-hmm. Uh well, before I said, I didn't get to answer the last question you asked, like about the team. Oh, but, uh, oh yeah, please go ahead. Uh, oh, well, uh, like some teams that really are inquired of the Texans, the Lions, and uh, the Redskins, and also oh. the Ravens. And I got, I got, a, I got a few more, but I'm gonna uh, just stop there. And uh, but okay. going back, but going back to the school, you know, I, yeah. I tell them first of all. Just thank God for giving that opportunity to play football, you know, because most, cause most people, you know, want to play, but they never got the opportunity to play. Or some people just can't play. And uh, and also, uh, just stay the course, you know. Even though it may not be going your way or it seems like it's not going your way, just stay the course and just leave it in God's hands, man. And the film that, and the film that I would show them would be – from last this past year, my senior uh, my senior night, we played Pearview and them. Okay, why why that particular tape? Huh? Why that game? What about that game stands out? Oh, uh, you know that was. 
that was like my my that was my last game on plan on the bluff. Uh, I was getting two touchdowns. Uh, I I was blocking great. I also uh, helped my quarterback break the uh, the uh, throwing touchdown in the uh, throwing touchdown reception uh, record for our school. So you know, I caught I caught that touchdown. I broke the record. And, you know, and it was a great night that night. Okay. So that's Austin Howard. You're talking about Austin Howard? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, I would love to speak with him at some point in the future. So I, I, I like watching. I mean, I found you watching him, actually. I mean, I was originally watching for Austin Howard. And I said, hey, who's, who's this Algie Crumpler guy uh, who's, you know, reminded me of him? Okay, same question for you. Um, what would you want this is Tay? You still with me, right, Tay? Yes, sir. Okay. Same question. Um, what would you want to bring to young people? You know, someone who was you know, where you were you started your, your journey as a as a collegian. What would you want them to know or understand as they embarked on that journey about the game and what the next few years hold for them? And what game of yours would you show them? Um the first thing I would want to, you know, let, just to let them know is everybody's path is different. You know? um, and, the, you know, the quicker they, you know, figure that out, and, you know, and stop comparing to other people's success, that um, the better it will be. Um, when I was younger and I was, you know, of course, everyone going into college, you know, they're so used to being the guy, um, used to being, you know, the best player on the field. But now, like, everyone is, just as good or if not better. Um, so sometimes you do have to wait your time, and, and sometimes you can just come in and play right away. But um, if, you know, if you're if it's your thing to wait, um, just don't get discouraged. Just to continue to work hard and, and try to learn as much as you can to be a student of the game and that it will eventually pay off for you, um, that the hard work doesn't go unnoticed and that, you know, God has a plan for you. And, a game that I would show them would be the game from this past season. It was my um, second game of the year, actually, playing linebacker ever, but it was against LSU. I had a pretty great game that um, I led the team in tackles. I think I had 13 tackles, um, like a one-and-a-half tackles for a loss and a sack that game. Um, you know, it was one of my better games past season. But at the same time, you know, I was, I've always felt like I could play on that, you know, that stage and level and just being able to produce, you know, against a great team like that. And uh, playing against a you know a heck of a running back and Darius guys and you know, oh, some other guys yeah. that have. Give me a thumbnail sketch. You mean watch on tape? You saw him in person. What, just what's your impressions? What do you think of him? What do you? What were his strengths and weaknesses when you broke him down? Well, for one, I really didn't see no you know weaknesses. When I first you know watched him on film, you can tell right away he's a violent runner. Um, he tries to punish you, you know, with every um you know chance he gets. Um, you know, he's very powerful, but he also, you know, is kind of nimble and, you know, can break tackles, you know, and kind of shifty at the same time. You know, he's a very good all-around running back. You can catch the ball off the backfield and everything. And, you know, we actually talked a little bit after the game and things, and even during the game, you know, you know, you you know, you see some guys and maybe they're not, you know, they really don't have great, you know, really good character. But I could tell right away that, you know, he had a great character. He's a really cool dude. Um, and, you know, I wish him the best. You know, he's definitely going to have a heck of a career you know, at the next level. Okay. Is that Mr. Odubuman Rikini? Is that Mr. Rikini I see as well? Sir? Uh, second to see. 
I'm trying to get a, a sort of a head count of who I have with me. So I thought okay. it was the second. You see, I, I, obviously I've got you, and uh, I've still got Mr. Field. Right, good, standing strong. Um, do I have David or Mr. Boomerutini? David Akiri, Boomerutini, yes, no, maybe, okay. Uh, Terion, I still have you, yes? Yes, sir. Same question for you. Um, if you were speaking with someone who was embarking upon this this journey, you know, going from high school to college, what would you want them to know from your experience? And then once again, what game would you want to show them? Um, I'll basically tell them that you know they're there for a reason. You're a college football athlete for a reason. No matter what level you're playing, you obviously have you know talent. You've got skill and while that may be so, you also need to always, you know, be honing and refining your craft because you could easily end up, you know, back home if you're not up to the standard, you're not, you know, producing. They could easily, you know, whatever you are, scholarship, walk on, you know, they could easily take that away from you. And you don't want to, you know, be that guy that went off and had all this hype around you and then you, you know, come back home and they're like, well, what's going on? And you I mean, you can't tell them anything because you haven't done anything. So I would tell them, you know, always be, you know, working to get better. You know, never become complacent because that's when things, you know, start going downhill for you. Okay. Gotcha. And what game would you pick out to show them that sort of explain what you brought to the table as a player? Oh, maybe um, the senior night game from my uh, last year. We uh, played Mercer, and I believe I had like nine catches, about 120 yards, something like that, and a touchdown. But that game was um, special because it was back and forth, and we got down a little bit, and then we came back, and then it all came down to like the last possession. And the last time we had the ball, we um, quarterback threw me a post, and it was like. Like, we needed to score right there. And I had, like, a crazy grab over the corner and felt we both fell into the end zone. It was, like, almost, like, one-handed. And that catch really, you know, put a staple on my career because I was always somebody that we could, you know, just throw the ball to without even, you know, needing to worry about, oh, is he going to catch it? Is he going to drop it? No, it was always, you know, just consistent production. And that game, like, as far as, like, blocking and everything, my running back had a great game. And I felt like my receivers, along with me, we pretty much did what we had to do in terms of, you know, making plays and keeping the game close. Yeah, excellent. Well, first of all, I want to thank all of you, including some of the guys who apparently had to cut out. So, first of all, just let me say to you, Mr. Dylan Beard, uh, once again, uh, thank you for your service, both obviously to this nation in your time in uniform and as a terrific college athlete in your time at Southern. Uh, BJ, apparently had a run, but pound for pound, one of the strongest players anywhere in college football and incredibly powerful running back. Uh, Terrion, heck of a, a, a story there as well. Some of the things that you had to overcome and are still fighting to overcome, but I think somebody will be smart enough to bring you in and like I said, if nothing else, just as a special teams presence, I think you will make your presence felt. 
Uh, Terry, also, man, that LSU tape, <laughs> you should show that to everybody. You should have that. There should be a link. Like, I don't care. I don't know what social media you're on, but there should be a link to that tape on every social media you have. You should have a way that people can touch you, like somewhere on your shoulder, and it should show up on their phone. <laughs> so I would recommend that you invest in some technology so that people can't avoid seeing that LSU tape. You did have a whale of a game. And uh, Darian apparently also had to run. Uh, I hope to see him the next time he's in Chicago. He's an interesting young man and uh, has a heck of a sense of humor. I love the fact that he called his brother a bum. So uh, <laughs> it is always good to get the, the you know, if you can get a brother, you know, older brother, younger brother, anything. I love when I have guys who know each other extremely well give, uh, give that information. Once again, young men, I wish you all the best. You're in an incredibly important uh, poignant, powerful time in your lives. You'll never, I mean, you'll have other great things happening. You, like I said, you hope you'll become fathers and successes. Football's over pretty quickly. Even if, I mean, we talked about, you know, Tom Brady, Brett Favre. I mean, one guy in a million plays until he's 39, 40. One guy in 100,000 plays until he's 34. One, you know, but both guys is over by 29. I mean, even if you are, quote, unquote, a success, you're playing until you're, you know, in your late 20s or early 30s. So, I mean, a whole lot of life will happen to you after that. And I know you'll make good use of that time in your lives as well, but nothing will be quite like this. The anticipation, the excitement, the not knowing all that. Uh, I guess, you know, if you're waiting to have a child, I guess it's somewhat similar. But the difference is, you know, the child is there for life, you know. Well, pro- you know, probably. Uh, you know, you <laughs> but football is over so fast, man. Enjoy every bit of it because even best case scenario, you know, ten years from now you've been telling people that you played. You know, <laughs> if things go well, you'll have you know, ten years from now you've been telling people that you played in the league, and that still is an incredible thing. If you manage to play six, seven, eight, nine years in the league, talk about beating the odds. I mean, that's a one in thirty thousand chance, I think, is what they said. Based on the number of guys that play college football, one in 30,000 makes a 53-man roster. So you've beaten the odds if you make the roster. Uh, once again, thank you for your time, your talents, and your attention. Uh, my co-host, Kofi, either already has or will soon be sending you an email. We just ask you to respond as quickly as possible because I'd like to get all of these done by the end of this week. Uh, with your responses to the questions and a photograph. Now, it doesn't have to be a football photograph. You can send me your prom picture or you know, you sprawled out on a on a beach somewhere, whatever you're feeling. I mean, if you want to, you know, get to the ladies or whatever. But whatever photograph you want to send, I will. I will let's ask it to be appropriate. Keep it clean, boys. But uh, answers to the questions somewhere are similar to the questions you've answered today. Once again, I thank you so much. I'm going to let you go back to your very busy lives, doing things you have to do to prepare for this incredible opportunity. I thank you once again. Please give my thanks also to your representatives who helped to make this happen. Uh, thank you all, and I wish you all the best. Yes, sir. Thank, thank you. you. Sir, thank you. Yes, sir. Take care, young man. You too. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.